Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away. The opening verse to chapter 2 of Hebrews, which we started studying last week, Colin. I suppose even from the earliest days of the church, there have always been those who have embraced the truth for a while and then have fallen away. Uh, Many people have argued long and hard on both sides as to whether it's possible for somebody to lose their salvation or not. And you've heard me say many times that's not really the scriptural understanding of salvation, that salvation is a process, that when we are first born again, we, we are saved, but then we have to continue to be saved and we will be saved uh, on the day of judgment. There's this whole process in which we're living. We're working out our salvation with fear and trembling now. So it's important not to fall away. And, um, of course, Jesus preached certain parables about this, noticeably the parable of the sower, where the seed of the word of God fell on different types of soil. There was the the path where Satan came along and snatched the seed of truth out of people's hearts so they wouldn't become believers. But then there was the seed that fell on rocky soil, where for a short time it sprang up and looked really good, but then when the heat of the day came, it shriveled up and withered away. And... Um, I think that was obviously happening in in the um, uh, early church as it happens today. People get delivered of sin. They get forgiven. They have a real encounter with God. But somehow or other, you know, they, their hearts are not really fully surrendered to the Lord. It, it's therefore a controversial subject to say, well, have they really been saved or... Or, or not, but um, uh, we hear of this, I'm sure that many of us would know people that have been in this situation. We hear of some famous people who are become believers, walk with God for a short time, and then all kinds of strange things they get into are subsequently. Um, Jesus also said, of course, some of the seed falls among thorns and thistles which grow up and choke the seed, the cares and riches, uh, deceitfulness of wealth. Um, You see, other things can come in and crowd the kingdom out of our lives. So Jesus was warning us, some are going to fall away. Some are going to allow other things to crowd the kingdom out of their lives. But then there's the seed that falls on the good soil. And they're the people that hold fast to the word of God with an honest and good heart, and they produce 30, 60, 100 times what was sown. In other words, the kingdom of God gets spread abroad through their witness uh, and activity. So uh, the writer to Hebrews is saying that uh, it's very important that we are careful to maintain our faith in Jesus. It's not enough just to to call him your savior and then go off and live a life uh, of your own. But this letter was obviously written, and we'll see more references to this later, um, at a time of persecution 
when there was acute temptation to deny Jesus Christ because uh, you know you could be martyred for maintaining your faith. And so there are various points in this letter where the writer is saying, hold fast to your faith no matter what the consequences because actually your eternal destiny is at stake. And we'll see more of this when we come on to chapter 6 and, and subsequent parts. And that's a very real danger today in certain parts of the world. Uh, absolutely. And people are being martyred every day because they refuse to deny Jesus Christ. Uh, and, you know, I think... God obviously gives people the grace to do that. But I think people that are in that situation, they must realize if I deny the Lord now, it's going to have eternal consequences. Because Jesus did warn us, if you deny me before men, then I will deny you before my heavenly Father. Uh, and I think when your, your life is on the line, you know, you, you've got to have some tremendous motivation to actually hold fast to the truth. You've got to know in your spirit, my eternal destiny hangs upon the fact that I maintain my faith and my witness in the Lord Jesus Christ. Otherwise, you see, people would think, oh, well, you know, I can deny him now, but Peter denied him and he was restored, so it would be all right afterwards. Somehow or other, people realize when they're in that situation, no, it won't be all right afterwards, uh, that everything is now at stake. This is quite radical talk, Colin. Can you ever see a time where this sort of radical faith will, uh, will confront us here in the UK? Oh, who knows? Um, uh, the important thing is that Christians must not be coward into denying the truth or not proclaiming the truth. But one of the things the Lord has taught me is not to preach against other religions, but to preach the truth. We're called to preach the gospel. We just preach Jesus. We preach who Jesus is. We preach what he has done. I'm not interested in preaching against uh, other religions because, you know, we are called to love the people that follow other religions because we know that we have the revelation of truth and we want to impact their lives with the truth. We want to see more and more people one from other faiths, not, not just so that we can say, hey, the Christians are right or anything stupid like that, but we want them to embrace salvation. We want them to know Jesus. We want them to receive the life that only he can give. So it's not a case of watering down so as not to offend. It's a case of sharing what you believe because you so are so concerned for the well-being of people. Well, the, the scripture is clear. The gospel is an offense. Um, but then you see, uh, if, if I preach the gospel, those that follow other religions can say, you offend me. <laughs> but then if they, if they preach what they believe in their religions, they offend me as a Christian. Um, you know, if a Muslim, for example, is to make certain statements about Muhammad, I find that very offensive because uh, they, they, they make many derogatory statements about Jesus Christ, who I believe to be the Son of God. So 
I would be equally offended by what they believe as they would be offended by what I believe. But there's no point in just offending one another like that. It gets us absolutely nowhere. Um, what I believe is if you preach the truth, then you see the evidence of the truth. You see the signs and wonders that God performs that actually verify that what we are doing as Christians is proclaiming the truth. I'm not interested in preaching against anyone. I'm only interested in preaching for Jesus. This chapter 2 goes on to talk about signs, wonders, and miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Um, um, he says in, in verse 2, but if the message spoken by angels was binding and every violation and disobedience received its just punishment, how shall we escape if we ignore such a great salvation? So in other words, the salvation in its broadest sense of that word is contained within the gospel. Now that's saving us for God. It's saving us from the devil. It's saving us from sin, from sickness, from temptation, from every negative that can afflict us. Uh, this salvation, which was first announced by the Lord, we read, was confirmed in us by those who heard him. God also testified to it by signs, wonders, and various miracles, and gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So, in other words, those of us who preach the gospel, we've got something going for us. We can verify that it's the truth. So we're not just in religious debate uh, and discussion, but um, you know, we can say, well, uh, our God heals. Our God forgives now. Our God gives eternal life now. Our God gives you the riches of God's eternal kingdom now. You know, the Christian faith is unique in proclaiming what we can have now. We don't have to wait for it till we die. We can have now all that God wants us to inherit through the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, when we die, we will enter into a fuller revelation of that inheritance. But it isn't that God is withholding it from us now. It's just that during the days of our humanity, we are only able to lay hold of it to a limited capacity because of our limited capacity, not because God is withholding anything from us. So there's that sense that we can taste heaven on earth. Absolutely. And I, I can remember, you know, when I first began to experience revival back in 1970 in a church in Luton where um, it was like suddenly being translated into a completely different spiritual environment and level than I ever thought it was possible to experience here on earth. And you know, suddenly we were seeing lives transformed and changed, miracles happening, healings happening. Um, and they're happening every day. I mean, on a daily basis, and and thought, well, wait a minute, <laughs> this is just an Anglican church. What's happening around here? Well, God had turned up basically, and God was filling our lives with His Holy Spirit, and we were therefore seeing what I believe God intends for His church everywhere, that the church is to live the life and to proclaim the truth of God's kingdom, and we're therefore to see the evidences of God's kingdom in our midst. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 